thank you again for this invitation to be among such a loving community. It's always a pleasure to, to be here and to share a few words with you. Um, I do see a few new faces that I haven't seen before. So for those of you who don't know uh, my story, I will just briefly say that I'm a pilgrim. Um, I walked the 800-kilometer uh, Camino many years ago, and a few months after that, decided to embark on a 5,000-kilometer walk for peace. Um, I began alone, but the fates had other designs and brought into my path this lovely gentleman over here who's recording me named Alberto. <laughs> and today we metaphorically continue walking together in life as pilgrims in life as well. And so during this pilgrimage that, that I was on, um, there were two things that were happening. You know, there was this outer action, if you want to call it, this outward uh, motion of walking. That's an outer thing. But then there was this inner action that was going on at the same place. And this was my attempts to try and understand what peace is and what peace means and to try to be peace at the same time. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today, what it means to try and be peace in a world that sometimes feels quite devoid of that, and why I feel peace is possibly the greatest adventure that we can be on, and that the journey is leading us to the most sacred place, which is within our hearts. Now, I'm Lebanese. Born and raised here, but uh, my parents are Lebanese. Um, I lived in Lebanon as a child, and I still have family that live in Lebanon. But I was raised here in Canada. I was raised in a culture that very much values dialogue and that values diversity as the way to peace. But of course, you know, being at home in an Arab family, news of what was happening in the region continually filled our household. And I grew up with this whole notion, which I never questioned, that there can never be peace without justice. And I'm sure placards have, you see placards even to this day that say, no justice, no peace. And as I say, I didn't question, I didn't think twice about it. Until I began my own spiritual journey. And then this whole idea of what is peace and what is justice just came to the foreground. And I must admit, I, I didn't know what they meant anymore, especially when you start reading the teachings. And the one that really got me was the teaching that says that we are the creators of our realities, whether we create consciously, unconsciously, or collectively, we are creating all the time. And so I started thinking, if we are creating, if I'm creating all the time, then how am I a victim of what I'm creating? If we're the creators, how are we the victims? And if, not a vic if I'm not a victim of my life, then how can there be injustice? That was a huge one for me. That was one that I actually battled with as I was walking. That was one that I really struggled with. And it was something that I felt intrinsically in my heart there was a great truth, but I had a hard time reconciling that because I was very action-oriented, you see. We have to do something all the time. And to me, there was always this outer peace, this outer reality, and the outer problems had a political solution. And then there was the inner stuff, which was my own inner journey, and that was a very private thing. And the two didn't necessarily connect. I didn't see them reconciling back then. But what I didn't appreciate back then, which I came to understand, is that peace isn't just the absence of violence. Peace 
is being in a state of harmony with myself, with the world around me, with this grand universe in which we live. And that, my friends, is an inner state that has nothing to do with what is happening in the world because you can be in a very calm, peaceful state surrounded by conflict and you can be a very conflicted person and completely out of harmony in the most peaceful of situations. And I'm sure we all know people who fit that description, completely peaceful in very conflicted or conflict-filled situations or environments, and others who are completely out of balance and out of harmony, even though their outer environment appears perfectly peaceful. Let me tell you a story. This is a story that happened to Alberto and I when we were, um, when we were walking. It was as we were about to enter Syria. It was our first foray into the Arab world. Now, we were just leaving Turkey, and the people were saying to us, the closer we got to the border, the Syrian authorities are never going to let you through. They are very difficult to deal with. There's a secret police. Um, they, if they even get a hint that you're going anywhere near Israel and Jerusalem, they will turn you back. So don't even say you're going to Jerusalem. Do whatever it takes. Say whatever you have to say to get through the border if you can, if you can get through the border. But okay, then we're walking in with a lot of confidence, but okay, let's just go in and let's see if we can breathe, if we can practice all this peace that we are carrying on our backpacks, okay? So we arrive, and it's a pretty chaotic kind of environment, a lot of people going in and out, a lot of motion. We finally get to the front desk, and the person only speaks Arabic. Now, I'm Lebanese, I can speak Arabic, but you can imagine I, I don't speak it every day. And so my Arabic is a little bit rusty. And he's qu- speaking very quickly and demanding a lot of things. And I'm trying to kind of say, you know, please slow down. I'm, I'm trying to understand you. And the more I'm asking him to slow down, the more frustrated he's becoming. <laughs> and so, you know, we're both trying to try, take a deep breath. Um, I showed him my documents. I actually had Lebanese documents on me. I don't even know why I brought them on my journeys, but I did. So I had some Lebanese documents which showed that I actually was Lebanese. And so he said, for me, it was okay for me to cross the border. But when he saw Alberto's <laughs> Spanish passport, he said, no, he needs a visa. And that visa, you can't buy at the border. We, bought, we had bought every single visa we needed at the border up until then. But in Syria, you need to have your visa well in advance from your, in your own country before you get there. Like, okay, well, what are we going to do? Uh, we can't go backwards. Uh, we can't go forwards. What can we do? And he said, well... I don't know what what can be done. I'll send a request to our head office in Damascus. Maybe something will come through. Maybe they'll give you a three-day visa so you can basically leave the country, in and out. That's all they wanted. We said, okay, thank you very much. We'll just wait. How long will this visa take? No idea. Don't know. Maybe today, maybe tomorrow. We don't know. It's like, okay, well then, thank you very much. We went and sat down and benches. Do you remember those old airport benches that were like bolted down? Very hard. You can't move. Okay, this is what they were like. A row of about three or four. We sat down and we waited. And we used that time to just breathe. Just breathe deeply. Just relax. Everything is going to be okay. That was our mantra. Everything is going to be okay. Everything is going to work out. The work we had to do was to stay calm because we had no idea what was going to happen. A couple of hours passed by, and you can see them every once in a while kind of peeking around. And every time they looked at us, and they were, you know, they were whispering to each other, we just kind of, you know, do one of these. <laughs> Look again, we, you know, wave again. I'd say about four or five hours passed, and then one of them came over and said, are you hungry? 
Because by the, at that point, we didn't have any Syrian money with us. We had no local currency. There was nothing to eat anyways. There was, I think, maybe a, a little a machine for to get a Coke, but that was it. And so he said, are you hungry? And we said, yes. Yes, we are. And he said, thank you very much. And so he said, okay, come with me. He took us and he led us behind to an empty room. And in that room, he had laid out for us a tray with some bread, some uh, Lebanese, it was Arab herbs, some cheese, olives, a beautiful little spread. And I almost got teared up, and I said to him, um, I just want to say thank you um, for this, because it's, my, it's Alberto's first experience in the Arab world. And I'm so happy to see that he is seeing the generosity of the Arab culture. And he just kind of, you know, he kind of looked at me and said, well, thank you. I said, thank you. So we had our food, and it was lovely. We went back to our benches. We sat down. Evening comes, still no, no visa, still nothing. We're still sitting there. They bring us some jackets because they could see we were getting cold. The nights were cold and we didn't have winter gear yet. So they bring us some jackets. I was like, wow, thank you. We keep sitting and a few hours later, the senior staff show up and invite us to coffee. Now, in the Arab world, coffee is reserved for special guests. Okay, so we became the guests And so we sat down with their senior officials and we explained our walk for peace and what we were doing. By the time this whole exchange finished, um, the senior guys got up and said to the, you know, said to them, hurry up, you know, what's happening with these people's visa? They need to get going. They need to move on. (laughs) Make a few phone calls. It was hilarious. By that time, it was it was. 10 o'clock at night. It was very late at night. Obviously, we couldn't move ahead. And so they invited us to, to sleep. And so we, they put out a, a simple foam mattress on the ground. We had our sleeping bags. They gave us some blankets that they had. And we spent the night at the border, um, surrounded by people who, in the beginning, we thought, there's no way, we don't know what's going to happen here. This, is, this can go, they can kick us out of the country. We have no idea. The next morning, when we woke up, we had our three-day visa, <laughs> miraculously. But more importantly, one of the senior guys said to us, there is actually a way to get a 14-day visa. What you have to do is go to this office. He wrote it down for me. This office, ask for this person and tell them that I sent you and tell them that you want a 14-day visa, which was really all the time that we needed to be able to cross through the border. And before we left, and I'll never forget this, he said, please pray for me in Jerusalem. Okay, so had we gotten upset, had we gotten anxious, anything but try to remain calm and stay in peace ourselves, the situation would have been very different, of course. And this is the peace I'm talking about. This is this energy that goes out and that changes people and that changes situations in ways that you can't immediately feel. You don't know what it's, what it's going to do, but it does go out. This is the kind of inner peace that I'm inviting you all to consider working on today as well. I'm not saying no action, because a lot of people think, oh, it's nice, you're going to be sitting and meditating all day. That's not what it is. It's not that. It's action, all right. You take action. But action that is grounded in this state of consciousness is very different than action that is grounded in fear or anger or protest. Okay? Now, even... When you then are in this state of peace, let's say you're there, and you decide to take action, the kind of action that you take is very much dependent, I have seen, on what you believe about the world and what you believe about other people. 
Now, there are many people who consider themselves, who are on the spiritual path, and who consider themselves to be peacemakers. But how they approach action, how they act, and what they do, will very much depend on their view of the world. So, let me ask you a couple of questions. What do you believe about people whose ideas you strongly disagree with? Okay. Are they people who are lost, who are vile, who are potentially even evil, if you believe in that? People who will never change their ways, who are so set in their way of thinking. So it's okay to mock them, to belittle them, to judge them, to make fun of them. It's okay to do all of that because that's just how they are and they're never going to change anyways. Or are these same people your brothers and sisters on this journey that we all walk called life? And are they capable of change, capable of changing what they believe and how they act in any instant? And why? Because you know you have. Who here has not been in a dark place and has not walked out of that dark place in their own way? And if you can do it, then they can do it. And what if your most sacred task on this earth is to stay centered in that vision of that person whose ideas you don't like, to stay centered centered in your vision of them as your brothers and sisters, those who have lost their way, those who don't remember who they are, but you remember, and you are holding on to that vision of them. What if that is your most sacred task? Again, I'm not saying that you condone their actions or that you agree with what they're doing. But when you are elevating your vision of them, when you raise your vision of who that person is, how you act immediately changes in consequence, right? But of course, we can't do that for other people if we haven't first done that for ourselves. We can't have that compassion and that empathy and that elevated vision of an individual if we haven't forgiven ourselves for all of our perceived mistakes, if we don't show compassion and love towards ourselves and we don't stop judging ourselves for what we perceive as our failings. That's why it all begins with us. And maybe that is the ultimate goal anyways, is to feel that for ourselves, to be in that ourselves so that we may practice it with another. When we see ourselves in that way, it's so much easier to see it for another. So how you see another person very much influences how you act, even if you're a peacemaker. And hey, maybe that's what a light worker is all about. A light worker is that person who holds on to that vision of that person as being light when that person has completely forgotten that they are that and they act in ways that don't reflect that whatsoever. Now, what do you believe about this world in which you live? No, not, we did the, we, let's do the world. Yeah. What do you believe about the world in which you live? Is this world a good place or is it an ugly place? Is it a friendly place or is it a dangerous place? Is life a wonderful adventure of growth and possibility? Or is it just nothing more but a struggle, just suffering? 
one terrible experience after another that you have to wade through in a world that just doesn't seem to care? Is the world terribly broken and needs fixing? And there are people out there who are continually breaking it. There's just enemy out there that is destroying all that we hold dear. And so we have to destroy this enemy before it destroys us. Is that your view of the world in which we live? Or is this world perfect, whole, and complete exactly as it is? Is it a sacred place, a holy mystery where souls have come out to have come to play out their grandest purpose, even when we don't understand what that grand purpose is? This place remains a holy place. And that this universe, as are we, each one of us, is in a continual process of growth and evolution. And what supports this marvelous growth is love. If you can stand in this place of unity, of understanding, of this, in this consciousness, if you can stay there, then you can appreciate that everything around you is already perfect, whole, and complete. There's nothing to fix. There's you being whole and complete yourself, serving the wholeness and completeness in another. It is you being divine and light, serving that divinity and that light in another. Everything else is separation. Everything else is a consciousness of separation. Loving service, what is that? Loving service is standing in this consciousness and acting from a place that is confident, loving, rather than a place that is grounded in fear. And that is what peace looks like. This is the consciousness of peace. This is the place of peace. I make it sound so easy. Of course it's not easy. It's all you got to do. Just be that. <laughs> See your enemy as your brother. That's all. <laughs> but this is what the journey is all about. This is the greatest journey that we're on. And this is the greatest adventure that we are on. And this adventure is bringing us all back to the place where peace, the only place where peace can be birthed. And that is in our own hearts. So I hope these words have given you something to reflect on, and I thank you so much for your time. Peace. Thank you.